for this episode of Level Up, the podcast for marketers by marketers, created by Lev that distills best practices and strategies focused on helping marketers increase their experience, one up their strategy, and grow personally and professionally. We're your hosts. I'm Jordan Krauss, client success partner. And I'm Laura Madden, the senior manager of marketing strategy and services, and Tyler. Yes, Tyler Williams. I lead one of our sales teams here at Cognizant. Beautiful. Welcome, welcome. So today we're talking about um, our top tips for leveling up your 2024 marketing strategy. In planning for 2024, we're also reflecting on what just happened in 2023. It's been real whirlwind, especially in the world of technology. And so before we get into the meat of our topic for our icebreaker today, I just wanted to kind of like float out the question, what is a lesson or something that really stood out to you in, in 2023? Um, and I'll start, I'll start with my kind of first realization in 2023 that I thought was interesting. We're going to talk later about how things have been changing really rapidly. But one of the most interesting shifts um, that I think we've seen is in the role of the CMO, in the role of the marketing department, and how the role of marketing has changed from essentially just, you know, advertising and measurement into a more experience level role, into uh, an experience level marketing focus. I even remember like 10 years ago talking about how the CMO one day would be a CXO, a chief experience officer, and they wouldn't even do traditional CMO activities. And so thinking about how work might be changing, how we describe some of these positions is really interesting to me. Curious what you guys thought just in your reflections of this year. Oh, man, I mean, you went all professional with it and I'm going so not professional, but I do think there are professional applications. Um, <clears throat> it goes to like the idea of like the mental load and things like that, which I think have become much more uh, talked about this year, like pretty much ever since the pandemic and just like how you're, you know, everyone, women especially, no offense, Tyler, are taking on more of the mental load. Um, but it was, I was talking through, this was way back like uh, in the spring, figuring out like Easter logistics with my dad. And he's got a great yard and we were trying to figure out like, okay, we want to do a little bit of Easter egg hunting at home with my four-year-old, but like we want her to, to hunt at your house because you've got better stuff. And I was like, okay, so I've got like these things that can go on the eggs and then you've got plastic eggs at your house and just like trying to figure out all the logistics. And he just very simply says, well, some of the eggs can be empty. And it felt like the world like stopped for a second. And I was like, some of the eggs can be empty. Like, yes, that is right. Like, they don't all have to be filled. And just like how I've applied that to my life since then is kind of wild. Um, I think there's another quote that went around. Gosh, it wasn't Ariana Huffington, but someone similarly talking about like juggling balls and some of them are glass and some of them are plastic. And the ones that you can let drop are the plastic ones. Um, so maybe they're actually plastic eggs that aren't filled with something. But that was my takeaway of all of the eggs don't have to be filled. Some of them can be empty and you will decide which ones are filled or not. So there you go, Tyler. We're going to follow up from, from those gems. Well, I had an idea of how to follow and now I'm, my brain is just completely scrambled. 
Um, just prior to this call, I learned that I'm colorblind. Um, so I would say that has changed a bit of my outlook on what the rest of today, this podcast, uh, much less my life looks like. So, uh, but let's let's bury that deep down for a, a later eruption. You know, I would say what I learned in 2023, uh, it's all about perspective, right? Um, so Laura, a degree of what you shared, um, certainly it's this idea of like, hey, some can be empty. I think from a personal perspective, um, had first had a first had a first my first uh, child this year with my my beautiful, incredible, strong wife. So that has been a really interesting concept around. You know, I love work, highly competitive and very driven professionally. Um, but there are plenty of days where, you know, that statement of work or that customer meeting, you know, it can wait uh, for a little bit. So I, th I think that's been an interesting thing. And then how to spend that professionally um, as a good salesperson does is as a product such as data cloud has garnered so much conversation and attention, uh, we've been exposed and had the privilege to have so many conversations with customers where we are hearing different perspectives, perspectives in our classic, you know, office of the CMO buyer, you know, for the first time, uh, first time consistently, let's say we're having the opportunity and privilege to speak with, you know, chief data officers, chief technology officers, CIOs, you know, what have you. And it's been really fascinating to see as our customers mature, as the marketplace matures, all due to the customer experience expectations rapidly maturing. It's been exciting to hear those different perspectives and understand how we as a partner uh, can help solve folks' problems. Uh, and sometimes there are real big problems and we can only solve part of it, but that's that's part of the fun, right? So um, I think that that perspective gain in 23, I'm sure everyone's gained perspective in some way in 23. I'm not you know, breaking any new ground here. Um, so yeah, uh, that is what I would say there. I think that does it for an icebreaker. So um, as I look at where we're headed next, I think Jordan's going to talk to us a little bit about how that marketing landscape specifically has changed while I try to discern the difference between red and green over here in my corner of the world. So go ahead, Jordan. <laughs> it's going to be a rough Christmas for Tyler this year. <laughs> this I this whole time, I thought orange Christmas trees were like everyone thought that's what they were. What I, whatever. Moving along. So sorry. <laughs> well, and we're so again. The the spirit is let let's look back at what what is our main takeaways from 2023 and what we've learned in 2023 and what we've all kind of hinted around is the exponential growth that is happening in front of our very eyes. I think even. Laura, you talking about how we've learned about women holding that burden. A lot of that is because of our ways to connect to each other about the experiences that we share in ways that we've never been able to talk to each other before. So all of that to say, things are changing rapidly. Um, I heard someone say, you know, in a month from now, we'll be four years from 2020. Like that is a wild, wild thought. So Thinking about how things are changing specifically in 2023, one of the trends that we saw was with AI, um, particularly generative AI, changing not only the way that we market, but our workflows, our internal process, the way that we work day to day um, to assist them with copywriting, to assist with brainstorming, coding, um, solving problems, research, and uh, even content generation. Um, and we know more and more tools are being on built on top of this technology. So the advancement of AI will just move even faster. Um, and then as a result of that technology and AI moving really fast, demand is also 
changed in a lot of ways since the pandemic and the ways that people expect to have a digital connected experience. Um, and you need a plan to address it at the end. At, at the end of the day, that, that's really what we're trying to say here is that 2023 just like whizzed by. It was it was really kind of a um, blur in some ways of how fast everything kind of changed. And just you have to take a second to catch your breath, put your feet in the ground and figure out how do I address this in the new year and take advantage of AI, uh, it's especially to make sure that you can find efficiencies, eliminate work so that you can start to be more strategic. Yeah, I I 100% agree with that, Jordan. And I think it goes to, you know, our classic way of approaching like strategic discussions with our clients is what we refer to as the marketing maturity curve. And everybody kind of has their spot on it currently of like how mature you are, how much personalization you're using, how much automation, those types of things. And kind of the the final level of that has always been like AI, very automated, predictive, whatever. And it's always kind of been just like floating out there, like, oh yeah, someday, but like that's not within our reach anytime soon. We're just kind of hanging out down in the lower echelons. And maybe, maybe over the past years, you know, you've been a little stagnant there or just like making small moves up the curve. And now, it seems like that has been accelerated by lots of things. And we're actually getting that much closer to that AI. Like it's a thing now. And like, oh, that's not just a pipe dream of like someday maybe we'll make it to that level five. Like it's the future is now. I'm so cliche. Um, But like it really is like it's there are applications like living within Salesforce Marketing Cloud right now where you as a marketer can like add AI to your emails pretty simply like it's not it's you know like the anybody can do it um what it like at dreamforce what was it like everybody's an einstein like that's kind of where it's all going of like you you can be the driver of this ai and i think that's really like that realization that has come in 23 and it's just going to continue to accelerate even more into next year yeah laura that actually brings up an interesting question for Jordan and for Laura, since you both spoke so eloquently on this topic, you know, we as marketers are notably excitable people. And there's always the new innovation technology strategy. There's always something in 30 somethings a day, generally. Um, I think 2023, to your point, Laura, there's elements of it that are here and present and real. And there's still some elements that you have to cut through the noise, understand what's a safe harbor statement, understand how do we set the foundation you know, maybe towards the end of 23 or early 24 to really leverage this in 24. So any thoughts to share with our friends there about cutting through the noise of everything we hear about AI, data cloud, bots, cryptocurrency, you name it. <laughs> any any tips on how to cut through that noise, grab something, make it tangible, and then build on it from there? I mean, I feel like I probably shouldn't speak about cryptocurrency without a lawyer present uh, please, at this point. Please like, don't, because I Or I even don't know. at all, I have no nothing. Um, but or when it a comes Bankman to, Freed coming at you here. No, 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 no. Um, I think from an AI perspective, like one distilling down into like what can I actually do? Like the difference between like the art of the possible and then like okay, what can I do within the next couple of weeks to maybe try it? Like, is it 
implementing something within like the chat GPT, the Einstein GPT that's in marketing cloud. It's like, let's let it make a couple subject lines for me and see how I feel about it. Um, and then I think also recognizing this is what we talk to a lot of our clients about is like there is still the human element of it. And it's not this like idea of like the robots are taking over and taking our jobs. It's making our jobs as marketers a little bit easier and taking some of that manual work out of it. So I think we've we've got a previous podcast about like the AI of it all and how we're all going to become prompters. So what can I do to, um, you know, make that be a better prompter and make the AI work better for me? And that's where it all comes to the data and like, what data am I putting into AI? What data can I glean from AI? Like, how does how does data play into it? And I think that's another thing that we've seen in 23, you know, data, understanding that we need good data is nothing new. Like, we've been talking about that for a long time. People have been trying to piece it together. We've got... Um, you know, the CDPs, the data clouds, like all of these things to put it together. So it seems like, you know, a lot of our clients have been in this space of a data transformation for multiple years. It's not something that just happens overnight. And now a lot of people are getting to the point where it's like, okay, my data is cleaned up. Now what? So now the conversation is less about how do I clean up my data? And it's more about how do I activate on that data? What should I be doing with it? And maybe like you've been cleaning it up for so long, you kind of forgot what you were cleaning it up for. Like, that's okay. You can start kind of start thinking about like, what are those pipe dreams and things that you'd really love to be able to do, but you had limitations before. Some of those limitations are probably gone because you've got your data house in order or your data lake. It's no longer a data swamp. That's one of my favorite terms with all of that. Like you've you've cleaned it out, you've gone through like the purification process, um, and your data is in a much better place. So like, how can you activate on it? And then I'll circle back to the AI of it all. AI can help you activate on it better, more efficiently. Throw some generative AI in there to like spin up more content because that's something we see too is like I've got all of this data I can drive so much personalization now the limitation isn't data it might be oh shoot I do not have all the content to support this like I only have a team of a handful of people to create this design what do I do with it that's where you can have generative AI help you so that's the data story that I'm seeing curious kind of what you two are are seeing in the data world right now. May I answer your question with a question? I don't know, may you? I may. Um, I'm not gonna answer your question at all, actually, but something you said triggered a question, Laura, and I'm curious to get your thoughts. You know, you kind of mentioned, you know, the the smart modern marketers that will continue to evolve will use AI as a tool, not fight it. Um, that we all learned in the Will Smith, Will Smith classic iRobot. You know, you want to partner with the machines, not try to fight all of them. So for you kids out there, you learn your lessons from Will Smith, obviously a great role model. When it comes to AI and data, if you look at, you know, folks who maybe want to get into the marketing field or are just starting, what are some of the ways that you see the modern marketing field changing and evolving 
And I'm sorry we didn't prep this topic, Laura, but I find it quite amusing. I would love to get your thoughts and Jordan, obviously yours as well. With data and AI playing a more critical role in the modern marketers landscape, how do you see a role such as yours or your teams changing in the years to come because of that? Yeah, I touched on it a little bit. I think really the idea of like all of us becoming a prompt engineer to some extent and like figuring out how you can teach and mold the AI, whether you're a creative consultant and you're trying to feed it imagery and teach it brand standards so that it can help spit out some like stock photography that so that you don't that's that's cost savings so you don't have to go pay like a you know a stock photography fee to do that or like i just need um iterations of this image in different sizes for different outputs can you go create this for me or if i'm a, a strategist maybe it's just it's helping me ideate where i used to sit in a room and brainstorm with a bunch of my colleagues now i'm sitting at home behind my laptop i need a smart friend to bounce some ideas off of and like help me figure it out, AI might be your smart friend um, to do that. So I think just figuring out how you can be the the iRobot friend and be that prompt engineer. I feel like it's the elevated version of like, we've all kind of figured out like, what's the right way to Google something so that I get the responses that I need? Like, even think like, do I put quotation marks around it? Do I ask it a question? Do I do this? It's like applying that to how do I get AI to produce what I want? Um, and you have to practice that as well. Like you're both learning together, which sounds a little bit creepy as I say it. Um, but I mean, that's the point of it. Jordan, anything you would add there out of curiosity? Thank you, Laura. I just want to like remind folks too that you know, kind of like what Laura's talking about, the AI tool is only as smart as the prompts that you're giving it and information you're feeding it. So a lot of people think like AI is coming for my job. Like we still really need human creativity and hopefully AI will help replace some of the redundancies in your work day to day. Um, <clears throat> also goes back to why Laura was talking about how critical your data is, uh, how critical to have your data foundation in place. In fact, one other thing I wanna add to that is it's not going to all be done. You're not going to clean up all your data and then be done cleaning up your data. It will be cyclical forever. So making sure that somebody owns that, um, that the data isn't just an unmanaged resource that everybody has access to, but that somebody has a responsibility internally at your company to own the integrity of that data and ensure that the processes that are in place that feed that data are accurate and do have a feedback loop in case there is dirty data that's coming in. Um, but I just think that is so critical when we think about 2023 is you've got to have an owner for data and you ha and you have to have to um, have uh, a feedback loop for, to ensure that the, the quality of your data is maintained. To consider that all of the departments that are working at your company have competing priorities. And so they might have different intentions of how they want to use that data, different KPIs. You might be competing for similar budgets. Um, so one of the other things thinking about, you know, what were the things that we learned about in 2023 is that strengthening your internal relationships goes a really long way with strengthening your internal experience. So much of the way that I'm speaking to having somebody own that data, there has to be some sort of vision for the customer experience as well. So again, different, different departments, different KPIs all have competing budgets, but 
who's thinking about what the experience is like for your customer, um, and how can we do internal marketing to make sure that everybody internally is on the same page about our visions, our, our mission, and what we want the customer to feel after they engage with us. Yeah, and Jordan, when I think about what we want our customer base to feel, obviously that is our brand, that's our marketing, and then in particular to the group that I have a privilege to, to be a part of and leave, lead, or rather, <laughs> don't plan on leaving anytime soon, um, is the sales team, right? And that idea of, you know, being a forward-facing person to the marketplace, you can have your tailored talk tracks, you know, everyone has their stereotypes about salespeople, but eventually a salesperson will have an honest, authentic moment if that's not their default, right? So we always want to coach and train our folks to say like, hey, look at the core of what our business cares about, what we're excellent at and go forth and tell people about that, right? So it's this idea of being authentic and driving and caring about the end customer experience. And that's hopefully what you've heard us talk about on this podcast all year long. And when your entire organization is aligned at being the best to shepherd that customer experience through technology and strategy, ideally your sales team is speaking authentically and directly about how we impact that customer experience as well. And to Jordan's point, it takes a long time and it takes a lot of consistency, right, to to convince an end customer if you're a brand about who you are, what you are, and what your product does. And the same thing when talking about technology or services in a professional sales uh, way, it takes time and consistency for someone to trust what you're putting out there in the marketplace. It takes alignment with your marketing materials, with your website, et cetera. Um, and that's something that we learned along the way in 2023 is that increasingly, especially let's use the retail vertical as an example here, but almost every vertical is an example of this. We are seeing brands that are authentic and connect with their customers and have some level of corporate responsibility. People understand that, appreciate that, and it is influencing buying decisions. So that's been really interesting for us to keep an eye on, study have customers in that space and lean into customer engagement in that way because you're really just talking about yourself right if you don't have to have a big pitch or spiel and you're just talking about what your business cares about and why you make products or how you make products in that way it's much easier to do marketing if you're just telling a true authentic story right we've seen plenty of examples over the course of this year previous years you know obviously we're massive salesforce evangelists we do believe that salesforce does a great job of practicing what they preach as far as their pr team putting their money where their mouth is as far as donations go we've even seen an element of that with the unrest um, abroad and salesforce's response to that which has been fantastic um, and we've also seen some more negative examples right we think of the artist formerly known as twitter um, and some of the interesting developments uh, with that platform uh, in its leadership over time, right? So uh, it's our perspective that eventually who you are internally will be known <laughs> to the customer. Uh, it's just a matter of how long that takes and if it ends up being a positive or a negative for you. So Jordan, when it comes to you know authenticity, being ourselves and putting ourselves out to the marketplace. I know you're really passionate about talking about building internal relationships so that you can kind of grease the skids for how to make things happen, when to make things happen, making things happen most efficiently. So what do you think about that stuff? I think I, I think it's so critical. I love what you said too, Tyler, of like, they will find your customers will find out. 
it will it will come to light. It will see the light of day. And it's funny because I don't know, it reminds me of like businesses and how businesses started like a hundred or two hundred years ago, like a Walgreens, for example, where somebody has like a, you know, a, a vision and and what they set out to do in that company, they hold still to a set of values. And even though like Walgreens, for example, opened up as like a soda shop originally, uh, they were not the drugstore that we know that they are today. Their values stayed the same throughout the entire time that they were in business. There's a lot of like Jim Collins business books about that, about how important it is to hold true to your core value and how everything else can kind of happen outside around it as long as you're still holding true to that core value. In fact, if you know, another good example of this is um, when uh, Bud Light put Dylan Mulvaney on their Bud Light cans and kind of inadvertently, the entire marketing department pulled that back. It seemed like such a big risk. They got a big backlash from a lot of their customers on having somebody who was transgender on their beer cans. And yet the LGBTQIA community started to embrace Bud Light. And so you kind of wonder, like, I wonder if Bud Light and if Budweiser in that situation had stayed true to their decision and hung on to that and said, yes, we're going to be the beer of the LGBTQIA community that maybe there would have been a really big opportunity from them. But instead, because they were so reactionary to the way their product sales changed, they backpedaled and kind of lost both audiences. And so I, I think like that's an, a really good example of like, if you are just true to yourself, um, there is going to be a lot of change happening around you, but your customers care, care a lot. Especially millennial generation, we know this time and again, like cause marketing was something that essentially was created just to please our generation because we felt like we really needed to have some sort of important um, contribution to the earth. I, I think like Bomba socks is something I'm thinking of top of mind. You buy a sock, they give away a sock. We remember Tom's back in the early 2000s. You buy a pair of shoes, they give away a pair of shoes. Um, we think about like Patagonia, a B corporation who um, gives back to their employees, makes is nearly a nonprofit with how they donate their funds. We're paying attention to that and we're voting with our dollar and 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 buying from companies who we believe have our best interests in mind. Also because we know that, you know, not to get too political, but because some of those organizations do have their own agendas. And so it's important for us as consumers to be smart about who we're interacting with and do business with. Um, so all, all that to say, Tyler, I really like your point of like, it, they will find out, you know, it, you have to figure out who you are as a brand. You have to stand in that um, and uh, reactionary marketing tactics just to chase the next dollar are not going to earn you long term loyalty. Yeah, I really love what both of you guys said and tying it back to the customer experience, like who you are and how you role kind of um, really impacts the customer experience. And that's one of the things that we're really seeing coming through and like where we need to focus our efforts in 2024 is like, it's so much more about what the customer experience is. I know Tyler, you spoke about like, that's how we operate as a consultancy is like, we're going to put the customer experience first, like the end customer and our customers. So it's balancing like, what are those business objectives and making sure you're accomplishing those. But like, let's make sure the end consumer is getting what they need because you can have like 
the coolest technology, the coolest ideas, but like if it's not resonating, if it's not landing, then that customer experience is crap. You're going to hear about it. It's going to come back and like it's not going to be successful. So that's one of the big things that we see for 2024 is really putting that customer experience first. Tyler, what are your thoughts on the CX of it all? Uh, yeah, CX first. And before I answer that, I want to jump back because I thought Jordan made a really interesting point specifically about the Bud Light campaign. And it's this idea that I'm translating in my head to know thyself, but that doesn't mean you can't change. So know thy future self, right? Like if, you know, if you're about to get married or if you're about to have your first or second kid or whatever, right, you could go buy a two seater sports car. But like, is that the best decision for you tomorrow? Right. You know, don't want to get into like right, wrong or indifferent Bud Light's decision, but it seemed like they weren't really solid in who they were, meaning the marketing tactic they wanted to drive come hell or high water, which made them reactionary, which made them lose multiple audiences. Right. On the flip side of that, right, you don't want to be like a blockbuster, for example, that it's not know thyself does not mean keep doing exactly what you're doing, right? Because you have to change. You have to deliver that next level of customer experience because the only guaranteed consistent year over year that we are seeing is an increase in customer expectations. And that is an increase in expectations for increased experience, more personalized marketing, better products, companies who care more about <laughs> insert whatever you want them to care about, right? Um, so it's this idea that, Laura, to your point, customer experience is the expectations from the marketplace are rapidly accelerating and quickly outpacing the ability of companies to deliver on them. And it is our perspective that with tools such as, you know, elements of, you know, CDP is not a new concept, but, you know, being a Salesforce centric podcast elements like personalization and data cloud, but much further in front and center would be tools like AI. It feels like we actually now have the ability to, you know, quote unquote, fight back with such the rapid acceleration that we've seen in customer expectations. And now feels like we have some tools where we may be able to keep up and God forbid, even exceed in some situations, customer expectations, you know, via those great surprise and delight tactics or campaigns, et cetera. Or that answer your, uh, your question <laughs> about my thoughts on CX? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think sure. what, I mean, what, what's what's spawn an idea for me is like, I think we've all seen as marketer, like you have like the nice little like linear customer journey. And it's like, hi, I'm Laura. I'm a mom and I like to shop here. And I clicked on this ad, look at me. And then I get this email and like, you kind of create like that used to be like, you know, three, four years ago, like, oh, the end all be all of like, look at this customer journey and what a great customer experience we're giving them. And it's across like, three different channels and yippee like now like those feel so outdated and antiquated when we're talking about like what the customer experience is because it is truly so limitless and not linear that like it's just a big like sphere of connected pieces and like you cannot represent it on like a linear path that says like these are absolutely your touch points they're always coming in this order like there's just so many unknowns and opportunities to surprise and delight that you almost 
have to include some sort of like predictive modeling, AI, something to enhance that so that you can really get to that like robust customer experience because customers are also like moving at a faster pace, hitting us in lots of different places. So like their behaviors have changed and we have to come at it from a different perspective to like meet them where they are and give them that customer experience that is going to be 100% unique for each person. So this bucketing segmentation and putting you in this lane of what your journey is, like, is it going to work anymore? And that kind of brings all of that together. So I think the CX is really like, it means so much more even than it used to, like the definition of CX has also changed. I like what Tyler said too about how like the one thing you can count on is that customer expectations are going to continue to increase. Um, and that maybe should light a fire under you, right? Of Like the one thing that you can count on will continue to happen is that the finish line will get a little farther away. So um, uh, yeah, so I think Laura, to your point, bucketing customers isn't going to be, isn't going to cut it for, for very long. Like we have to figure out a, a more seamless way to build a, a connected um, customer experience. The other thing too, I think is that um, make a plan, just make any plan. Um, uh, our, our kind of second recommendation for 2024 is to adopt a use case mindset. And uh, one of the, I think, being a consultancy tied to technology, one of the biggest mistakes that we see customers make is they come in with a technology-minded approach. They have an idea of what the tool is capable of doing, and they want to take advantage of the tool. But a lot of times it's technology for technology's sake, and they're not necessarily thinking about what customer experience they want to create out of this technology. Data Cloud is a really great example of this because Data Cloud is a very heavy-duty segmentation tool. However, unless you have a campaign to activate that segment to, it really isn't going to give you the ROI that you want on that technology. So we have to build a use case around how the segment's going to be activated, how the segment's going to engage, how we might create different um, paths based on how folks in the segment engage with your campaign. All of that is super critical to understanding how effective our segment was. Um, uh, but it also helps you kind of eat this elephant a bite at a time to remember that you don't need to clean up all your data at once. You don't need to implement the entire technology at once, the whole enchilada. Having a use case also gives you the tools to um, build a story, test the theory, revisit results, and then look at your ROI and, and go back to square one. So don't don't be afraid to just put a theory out there, um, but make sure that you're documenting it and that you have an idea of the experience that you're trying to drive from that technology, um, not, not just the pitch that you heard. It's important to understand how it applies to your business. Or I'd, <clears throat> I'd love to get some of your perspective there as far as that kind of use case mindset. And I'm sure, you, I'm sure you've got some thought about best practices when it comes to adopting that, how we think about technology and use cases. And uh, Jordan, I love the phrase that you used, the avoiding technology for the sake of technology. Uh, so Laura, any thoughts there about kind of adopting that use case, some of the best practices we'd recommend? Yeah, I think sometimes people get overwhelmed by even just the term use case and they're like, whoa, I don't have anything formal laid out or like I have to be a BA to like get like 
your user stories and like whatever that is. And it's like a use case can be something as simple as, boy, I've always wanted to be able to personalize content based on your transactional behavior. Like, okay, that's a start. What do you need to do that? Do you have that? What are a handful of ways that you can start to implement that? So you do start with that like segmentation bucketing element because you got to start somewhere. You're not going to get to that like one-to-one level of personalization. So it's also important to think about that parallel pathing and like, okay, I've got my initial steps that I'm going to take that are a little bit more basic. But then in the meantime, I'm also working to ramp up what that means to really be able to accelerate it. So if that's I'm figuring out what generative AI content platform I can use to like help me scale that while I'm starting out with these like three segments that I'm using. Are there, do I have a little bit of data? But to Jordan's point, we don't have it all together. So like where are some other places I need to go to get more data to fuel this even more? So I think you also don't want to get that paralysis of like, oh, well, I have this use case, but I can't do it all right now. So I'm not going to do anything. It's like get something out there, which I think Jordan said before, this is really just becoming a recap podcast, like of this actual podcast. So it's like very meta. Um, We just all are so like-minded. But I think like figuring out what am I doing right now for the short term and what am I simultaneously working on for the long term? I think like having a real healthy backlog is really what you want. Like, don't forget any of these ideas or other use cases that you're coming up with. Just make a running list. Have that backlog, figure out what can I work on next? What can I parallel path? Like, what can I what can I have going together so that you have a very clear vision of like, by this time, you know, by six months, 12 months from now, here's what I will have accomplished. Here's what I'm still gonna be working on. And that's okay but you've got something done because you were able to focus on those use cases. And then, you know, I'm going to say you want to layer those back up to like, what were your overall business objectives and don't pick use cases that are like out of left field and fun, but like don't accomplish the actual goals. If your goal is acquisition and all the use cases you happen to pick are like ramping up current customer engagement, Not that that's wrong, but like, let's make sure it's aligned with like what your overarching company goals are. So apparently I have a lot of thoughts about use cases and how how they tie into CX. So uh, I could babble on all day about them. Yeah, I don't think we have any more use for cases from you, Laura. So thank you. We're we're fresh out of them. So (laughs) thank you much. Um, I think to to start to land the plane here and hopefully avoid any further dad jokes, I apologize to the audience. Um, uh, we just want to say thank you. Uh, we've had an absolute blast um, doing this as, as a team. Uh, we truly actually enjoy each other's company, including our fallen comrade who's off to greener pastures, um, who you can hear on a few episodes earlier this year. But, uh, we, you know, we we try to bring authenticity, creativity and excitement here. Um, if you like what you heard from folks such as myself, Jordan and Laura, uh, we p- are a part of Lev, and, which is a part of Cognizant. Uh, and we are a business that you can come work with if you so choose. So 
we know that marketing in these modern times is not a sole function. You don't have every capability and functional person under one roof generally for many of our customers and the way they tell us about their teams. Sometimes it's budget restricted. Sometimes it's geography restricted. There's a million reasons why you don't have every single thing you need under the same roof to advance your marketing operations strategy, everything under the marketing roof, right? So we want to be here to help, right? We have significant experience navigating large organizations, multi-brand, all in the name of advancing that customer experience that we have talked uh, so much about. You can trust that we'll be aware of current trends, where technology and marketing strategy is going tomorrow. We'll help you prioritize what is your actual biggest issue and how to solve that. We have experience navigating because half the time solving marketing problems means, means just getting to the right stakeholders and decision makers. You can trust that we'll be a strong partner there helping you navigate and champion within your own organization. And we'll all learn together as we go, right? The beauty of marketing is that every day we're learning something. Ideally, we're trying something new. If you're shocked to hear a plug at the end, well, I hope the last two minutes uh, has been absolutely riveting and your most favorite of our podcast so far. Uh, but we would love to work with you being a part of Cognizant. Obviously, we talk primarily about the CX experience here in our practice, but it's a much, much larger organization than just what we've talked about. Truly everything under the sun, even though we own just what is under the CMO's purview. So come talk to us if you have an issue in the marketing space or customer experience space. If it's something else, data, AI, analyst, analytics, business processes, staff org, et cetera, there's probably a good chance that Cognizant can help out. So we believe that we lead with energy and empathy. Again, hopefully you've experienced that throughout our podcast uh, over the last several months. Uh, we're headed shortly to a wrap up, but I want to say thank you to, to Jordan and Laura. It's been an absolute blast. Uh, shout out also to our fearless production cast. You know, they're, they're not the voices or names that you may see unless you're looking at the fine print, but huge shout out to Ariel Lupinacci, Elise Bear, and Keegan Chamberlain. Keegan is currently, I think, on the vacation of a lifetime. So safe travels, Keegan, and enjoy. Um, but that group has been absolutely instrumental in whatever success you can call this podcast. At least we've had fun internally. So uh, cheers to that group. Thank you to, to my co-hosts. Uh, Laura, Jordan, anything you would add as a wrap before we fully land the plane here? Oh man, you're coming in early with the Spotify wrapped of it all, Tyler. Like that's just so nice. And it's I was so waiting nice. for the clap off the stage, like the music <laughs> or something. But I feel really passionate. It's been an awesome group, and I certainly want to highlight the folks who have actually made this possible. Yeah, and I mean, it was so kind of you to say that we all get along, even though Jordan and I have been low key gaslighting you throughout this entire <laughs> podcast about your color blindness, which we do feel is accurate. Like, to be clear, like, we do think you are a little bit colorblind. Um, so, is so... it gaslighting if it's true? <laughs> that's, what I said. that's why I said low key, right? Like, we're. But, I'm like, back in 2024. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's been, we like, I think we all come in, like, this is one of our like favorite, you know, appointments on our calendar, um, when it pops up, cause we get to, to chit chat and talk about cool marketing strategy stuff with our buddies. So. And so I want to say like, we want to hear from you about what the, what you've heard in our podcast so far, if there's any content that you're 
interested in hearing from. We're always looking for new ideas. I know our marketing team does an amazing job at putting out a lot of um, blog content. We also have a, um, a really great newsletter on LinkedIn as well. But still, we're interested in hearing, you know, any feedback that you have from us on, on what you want to hear from. from Don't us. forget to rate, review, and subscribe, right? Am I an influencer now, you guys? I think so. All you right. influence well, me, Laura, every day. Aw. Aw, shucks. Well, with that, I think we will officially wrap it up. And I will thank you guys again for joining us for this episode of Level Up. And if you're looking to continue to level up your knowledge on the latest news, technology, and marketing trends affecting marketers day to day, you can check out new episodes of Level Up on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And until next time, thank you for leveling up your marketing knowledge with us. What are you talking about? I'm ready. You guys are wearing the same color. <laughs>